Good afternoon and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. You can also listen to us right now online. We stream our audio worldwide to the masses at RadioNorthland.org. And if you're going to miss us today live, don't, don't worry at all. We got you covered. Go to the webpage, check out the Wrestling Memories page within RadioNorthland.org and check out over five years of archives. It's an amazing thing. I'm Glenn Broggett, along with my co-host, pro wrestling historian and author, George Shire. And George, this is one of those episodes we've been waiting some some time now, ever since this book uh, was talked about. Uh, we, we, got, we got a good one on our hands today. And, and welcome, as always. It's kind of our take two, because we had a little technical difficulty earlier. Well, it's good to be back with you, Glenn, on Wrestling Memories. And you know, we do have a great one tonight. It's a main event. We've got two guys with us tonight. And I'll tell you what, this is going to be a fun one. I'm going to let you introduce our guests, and then we're going to talk about some wrestling and one of wrestling's greatest, absolute greatest legends. Oh, absolutely. And these guys are no stranger to the pro wrestling scene. They put out a fantastic book about the history of Montreal professional wrestling. And boy, they have uh, worked on other projects as well. Well, We could talk about all of those, uh, and we have talked about that in the past. But what we are here to talk about today is Mad Dog. Mad Dog Vachon. Mad Dog, the story of Maurice Vachon. And it's a fantastic book put out by the good people at ECW Press. And it's so it's such an honor to have both of them at the same time. We're talking Bertrand Bear and Pat Leprod, some of the best pro wrestling uh, minds around. And it's always good to get together and get uh, some wrestling memories underway and to talk about Mad Dog Vachon. Oh, man. George is like a kid in a candy store today. Absolutely. Patrick, friend, how are you, my friends? Very good. Very excited to be on the show. One of the guys that we're talking about today, and I say one of the guys because pro wrestling had so many unique and just exciting characters, but the, the guy you wrote a book about, Mad Dog Vashon, and I'll tell you what, um, I had a chance to see Mad Dog very early in his career and followed him throughout, and you didn't, you, you didn't have anything to ever try to... Uh, try to understand what this guy was going to do in the ring. He was so exciting. And I want you to give us a little bit about the background, how you started on the book, and let's get into the story of the Mad Dog. Well, actually, the, uh, the book was uh, written in French first uh, back in uh, 2015 uh, because when we uh, wrote the Montreal book that you mentioned, uh, there was a French version of it as well, uh, published in October of 2013. Uh, and a month later, as we were scheduled to do our first appearance at the huge Montreal Book Fair here, uh, it was a Thursday in November, and that's when we got the news that Maurice had passed away. And we were just, I mean, <laughs> we were getting so many calls from you know all the medias here in, in, in Montreal, in the province of Quebec, uh, that, you know, when we got to the Montreal Book Fair that same night, our editors, you know, even our editors got phone calls uh, for us because everybody wanted to talk to the two guys who did the Montreal book and have, you know, their thoughts on, on, on Maurice. Uh, and we thought it was, you know, a good, a good idea to pitch to our editors uh, a, a biography on, on Maurice Vachon. And they agreed because they have seen, you know, all the the, uh, the media attention that Maurice uh, had, you know, by uh, you know, you know that his death uh, adds. So, uh, so, so we published the book. I don't know a year and a half later, and and uh, ECW Press picked it up as well for the English version. And here we are, uh, two years later, with the uh, English verse version. So the the fans, you know, because Maurice, you know, even though he was so well known in the province of Quebec. He's probably the, the Quebec wrestler uh, for a long time, uh, he, he, and he might still is today, uh, the, the most known Quebec wrestler outside of the province of Quebec. You know, he wrestled, you know, in the AWA for so long. He wrestled in Texas for so long. Uh, so, so, I mean, you know, we're very happy to be able to share a story with the uh, English, uh, English fans as well. Well, you know, knowing Mad Dog Vashon, you know, you mentioned wrestling in Canada, wrestling in Texas, wrestling in the AWA. He was uh, probably one of the premier 
mainstay wrestlers uh, in the AWA. And, of course, that's where I had a chance to see him. I saw him very young. I, I was only about 13 years old when I first saw Mad Dog Vashon come on TV. It was All-Star Wrestling, which was broadcast out of uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Twin Cities. And here comes this guy introduced in the ring, really with no fanfare or advance uh, acknowledgement. He was in a television match, and right away... He was different from most of the uh, pro wrestling villains that we had seen up to that point because he would scratch his opponents, rub his fingers down their backs, he would growl, he would spit, and he would stomp. <laughs> and this was, this was in, still very young, and he just really gathered the attention of the wrestling fans right away. Uh, Vern Gagne and Wally Carbo, who were the promoters in the AWA, the Minneapolis Territory, uh, it was basically done as an experiment. Vern Gagne brought him in, and he actually lost his first uh, house show auditorium card match to a guy named Don McClarity. And then it was kind of quiet. And we didn't hear anything more about Mad Dog for a few months. But then all of a sudden, we get word that Vern Gagne had lost his title to Mad Dog Vashon. And from there, it was history. Uh, they had two versions of the tag team title at the time. It was kind of, uh, kind of confusing because there was an Omaha-Nebraska version of the AWA title and there was a Minneapolis version. Same title, just sometimes the cities recognized different champions. And then they finally got their heads together and combined them. And Mad Dog was champion for like three years. But uh, he really changed wrestling. And I know you guys had a chance to see him in Canada. And so kind of give us a little bit about the background on him. The interesting part throughout the research of the book was, you know, because... You hear about these guys, and especially uh, back in those days. So when Maurice becomes Mad Dog, then you can pretty much figure it out from Portland. What was interesting is that Maurice spent 10 years of his wrestling career coming up with the old Mad Dog name and the way he acted and the way you saw him in the AWA. So I, I thought that was very interesting as far as, you know, you know, when you say about paying dues in the business, I mean, Maurice did pay 10 years of dues before finally getting that mad dog on the scene and, and making a lot of money with it. It, it. it was very interesting that, you know, those guys that you see as legends, you know, they have that time period where they're, they're just rookies and they're trying to, to make a name for themselves and they're trying to find what's going to make them different. And for Maurice, that 10-year span where he went to become a star. Well, you know, one of the things that you bring up as far as paying your dues, it was very, very common in that era in wrestling with a wrestler to come into the business. And because there were so many territories in the United States and then there were chances to wrestle in all the provinces of Canada, they could go to Japan, they could go to Australia, and the wrestlers really did have to pay their dues for five or ten years. When they got into the business, they had to go around to all these different territories. And as you pointed out, you have to pick up the best from every wrestler you're working with. And you, you kind of come up with your own character. And Maurice Vachon basically was a name on the wrestling cards, but he was never, ever going to get anywhere until he finally decided that he had to be this heel. And I know you guys have told the story in the book about how he got the name Mad Dog, and I'm going to let you tell us because it happened in, uh, in Oregon. So give us that background, how he finally got that big push. I mean, Maurice was uh, working in uh, Hawaii. Uh, he had had a couple of nicknames throughout his career. He, he was called the Mad, because he was trying, like Bertrand was saying, he was trying 
over that that 10 years you know span where he was you know paying his dues he was trying to find himself you know to find himself a character you know and it, it really it really grew slowly uh, and uh, he was called you know the mad Frenchman or uh, just mad Maurice Vachon so he was starting to become you know more aggressive uh, you know uh, more physical in the ring and when he, he, um, he, he went from Hawaii to Portland, uh, he was told that, you know, he had to be wild, to be crazy in, in Portland, you know, if he wanted to make it there. So on his very first night, he came in late to the arena and didn't really have time to speak with uh, Don Owen, the promoter there. Uh, and Owen, you know, just sent him to the ring and Maurice went there and, and, you know, with, you know, having on the back of his mind that he had to be wild, he had to be crazy, he stepped foot in the ring and just started, to, you know, some, some madness there, you know. He, he threw his opponent, the match didn't even start, he threw his opponent out of the ring, um, started to beat him up. Uh, the referee was a, a wrestler by the name of Shag Thomas, uh, but he was refereeing that night. Uh, Maurice, you know, threw him out of the ring as well and started to beat him up. A policeman even, you know, tried to, to stop Maurice and Maurice just sent him in, 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 into the crowd. And, and there's many different versions of that story, but every, every story includes uh, a referee, a wrestler, and a policeman. So that, that doesn't change. And, you know, by the end of this, the match never started, never finished. And Maurice went back to uh, the dressing rooms. And, you know, there, there is Don Owen, who's, who's waiting for him. And he goes, you know, what happened just there? You just looked like a mad dog out there. And the nickname didn't stick right away as, you know, the, 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 the story uh, that, that we heard so many times, you know, uh, says. But sure enough, a few weeks later... In some markets that you know Don Owen was promoting in in uh, in, in the Pacific Northwest, uh, the, you could see in the newspapers the name Mad Dog coming along, you know, in the ads and everything, and on TV as well. And that's how he was named Mad Dog Vachon, which is kind of funny because the name, the nickname Mad, was always linked to Maurice ever since you know he started that that more aggressive style of his in Texas and also uh, in, um, in uh, not in North Bay, but in, uh, oh my gosh, I can't remember the place for Larry Kazabowski in, in, in Ontario. And, uh, and sure enough, you know, the nickname that really stuck for him was another version of Mad Something, but the Mad Dog really uh, resonate even more, you know, for, for, for Maurice and, and for the fans as well. Well, and the thing that was really unique about um, Maurice Fashan was that as pro wrestlers go, he wasn't the biggest guy around. Uh, many times his opponent would dwarf him in size, at least either taller or heavier, and here comes this, this mad dog, a guy who just was a little spark plug, who, who could go into the ring and he could get the fans so irritated and he was so aggressive. He had a a style that was, uh, uh, he didn't stop. He, he, it's like he never got tired. He just was in there and he, as we said earlier, he was clawing, he was biting, he was stomping. But, you know, the, the irony of it is, is that he had a very good uh, amateur background. So touch on that a little bit about, we, we really had a wrestler here. Yeah, well, Maurice came from the amateur world and, you know, that, that's what he, he at first tried to portray. He was a gold medalist of the British Empire game, uh, mm -hmm. and he was a legitimate fighter uh, from his days as a doorman in Montreal. So you know, he loved to fight. That that also, I mean, that that actually hurt him in Montreal because you know when you're the promoter and Yvonne Robert was also star and promoter of the show. But when you have that guy who's a legitimate shooter coming in and he's a little bit, you know, full of bravado and they didn't trust Maurice at first. So that's why he had to go to different places. But again, you know, doing the Olympics in the is a lot different than the Olympics in today. 
you know, back then in 48, there was no television, the Olympics in, in, in London. So, you know, he didn't came out of the Olympics, even though he did very well. He didn't come back home as a big star. He came back home as forgotten hero. From there, that, that's what put him on track to, to go outside and then to become that wrestler, that different wrestler uh, as well. Because, you know, obviously the Olympic medal was... He used to say, you know, the Olympic medal is good for the heart, but it doesn't put money in your pocket. So, I mean, that that's what happened, you know. Through those years, he went on to, to create something that would actually help him to make a good living and become actually legendary. One of the things that was unique about wrestling back in the 50s and 60s into the 70s, too, is that uh, a, a bad guy and a good guy, the heels and the baby faces, they were very definitely defined. And Mad Dog uh, obviously really carved out a niche in the United States, the AWA in particular, when he had the uh, direct opposite of his style going against Vern Gagne, who was always the epitome of scientific wrestling, as they called it back in the day. And Vern was the real deal when it came to wrestling. You know, he could shoot and he was, uh, he, he always emphasized wrestling first, character second. And so to come, to bring Mad Dog Vashon into his territory, it afforded Ganya the chance to have the direct opposite of his style. And the two styles, Ganya's and Vashon's, just totally meshed. Where if you wanted to name Mad Dog Vashon's uh, one of his most prominent and successful opponents, and one that he had the most success with, Vern Gagne would be right on the top of that list. And then in the United States, we could also put the crusher, Reggie Lasowski, who was uh, sort of a, a working man's bully-type good guy that fans could relate to. He was a beer drink. He, he, his character was that he was a beer-drinking uh, brawler from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he was a, a normal Joe who, who could take it on with anybody, and then you hook up with the Mad Dog, and the Crusher and Mad Dog had a great chemistry. So between Ganya and Crusher, uh, Mad Dog just had tremendous success because the two programs between the guys just went on from the entire 60s through the 70s. And even when Mad Dog would go away for a few months. He could come back, and he had a ready-made program because it was always the crusher was in his face or, or he was challenging Vern Gagne. And you know, guys, Vern had a great deal of respect for him because he actually let him have his championship for a three-year period, which is up until 1975 was the longest that Vern let anyone have the AWA title. So there had to be a great deal of respect there. And Mad Dog earned it because he could put butts in the seats. And those two feuds, Ganya uh, and Crusher with Vashon, just seemed to be box office magic. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, he, he, he was, he was uh, and, you know, George, you, you know better than, than anyone that, you know, Maurice is, you know, one of the biggest stars to ever uh, step foot in the AWA. Uh, I'm not saying he, he's the biggest, but he's one of the biggest for sure, you know. Uh, he's in the top five. And, and, I mean, he's he, in the top five. After his, his, after his, his run in, in single competition, uh, him and Paul the Butcher Vachon, uh, you know, in, in 1969 and 1970, you know, they really, really dominated the, the, the tag team division and uh, held to the, to the tag team titles for a very long time as well. Uh, and and, uh, and up until they got back to Montreal to uh, to start Grand Prix wrestling in, in 1971. Uh, so, I mean, Maurice was a, a huge, huge star in the Midwest, in the AWA, and, and obviously Gagne and, and the Crusher were, you know, two of his biggest foes. When you, when you look at Mad Dog 2, uh, he held Vern Gagne's title up until 1967, and then he did leave the AWA, and he went to uh, Montreal, 
And it was it was at that time that he had a very young rookie wrestler with him that he changed into one of the most famous German wrestlers. Why don't you give us a little background on what happened up there when he brought uh, a guy by the name of Jim Raschke with him? He actually brought uh, Jim in Montreal because the funny thing was every time he was seeing Raschke in the AWA, he was he was telling him, you know. You look like a German. You look like a German. And and Rashke, you know, was young and was probably intimidated by, by Maurice. So he didn't say a word. But one time he told Maurice, well, I'm a German. You know, that's why I look like a German. I'm a German. So, so Maurice took him under his wing and brought him to Montreal and, and give him this uh, gimmick of Baron von Rashke. Actually, the first name that Maurice came up with was um, Baron von Pumpkin, and and to quote to quote uh, Jim Raschke, he was like, I didn't even know what a pumpkin was. <laughs> <laughs> he started teaming with him in Montreal in 1967. Uh, he also gave him a gimmick where um, they would invite anybody from the crowd, and they had 10 minutes to uh, to pin Raschke, uh, and and you know if not, you know they were not getting. X amount of money, so that really got popular, you know, with the crowd, and, and you know, they got ahead so much. They were wrestling the Rougeau brothers, uh, the first version of the Rougeau brothers, obviously, with uh, Johnny Rougeau and Jacques Rougeau Sr., and, uh, I mean, they were, like, so over, uh, especially in Three Rivers, but, you know, all over the province as well. And that run, um, that, and, and that's, that's unfortunate, but that run came to an end uh, maybe seven or eight months after it started because Maurice was involved in a car, a huge car accident. Uh, it was the second of three big car accidents that, that Maurice would have throughout his life. Uh, and he was told that he would never wrestle again. Uh, obviously he did. Uh, but I mean, at the time, it was a huge blow for, and uh, it really put a stop because Maurice, throughout his career, was always trying to get over in his own province, uh, and he was just not able to do so. Uh, and 1967 came, and he was on the verge of becoming the big star he was, you know, he, he wanted to be. You know, Johnny had given him, had given him the the big title, the Montreal title here. Uh, he was, you know, wrecking, you know, <laughs> wrecking with, 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 with Jim Rashke. You know, they were like really, really over. Uh, and, uh, and now that accident happened and uh, that put a stop to it. And when he came back, well, he kind of lost his spot in Montreal. So that's why he went back to uh, uh, soon after to the AWA, this time teaming with, uh, with his brother, Paul Vachon. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and, and what he did with Rashke, and, and this is something Bertrand and I were kind of, uh, not, but well, yeah, I, I, I can say surprise, I guess is the right word, that, you know, he did help a lot of younger guys in the business, uh, whether by, you know, getting them a new gimmick, by booking them to a, to a new territory, and, and that's where, you know, that guy started to get over i mean he did it for a lot of people to the point that we had several guys telling us without maurice vachon we would have would have not had any career uh and bertrand can maybe develop more on, on who uh on on who it was because he actually wrote a huge book on one of them <laughs> yeah well actually that's what pat patterson told us i mean for pat patterson you know the, the fact that maurice I mean, he basically decided that he needed to get Patterson booked in, in, in Portland. <laughs> basically, that you know, he had seen him in Montreal and he knew he could, and he was actually looking for it when he learned that Pat was in Boston, and sent him a letter with a starting date saying that he was starting in, in Portland. But Pat, Pat didn't have any car, didn't have any money. Worked in Boston, you know, he, he, he had barely anything, so he got scared and decided not to go. So Maurice sent another letter telling him that he better showed up for that date because he was going to get him the next time he saw him or something of that nature. So Pat found a way to get a plane ticket. And, and after that, Pat never looked back. You know, Portland is the place where Pat Patterson became Pat Patterson, if you will. 
And, and we got the same story from a guy like from Roddy Piper. And Maurice got him a break, uh, got him booked in uh, Texas, and, and that got him going. You know, those guys are huge deal uh, professional wrestling today. Maurice was, on, on the contrary, always trying to book into a territory. So he was always there for his beer to get them that little something that I think that was an amazing thing about the men. That's what we want from the book is that we want to know about Maurice Bachon. We want to know about the men. We want to know uh, what kind of a person he was. And, and, what, and uh, you know, through all of that, through all of that incredible life, and I think that's an amazing part of the book. You have that duality throughout it of the Mad Dog's career and the Maurice life, you know, and you can see the struggle in each and the win and the loss in each and how Maurice always came back up no matter what happened. He always came back up. You know, the, those car accidents by themselves would have, like, pretty much ended the career and the, the, the aspiration of most of us. But Maurice just came back up, not one, but three times. That just shows you what kind of a man he was. Well, and the really sad thing about uh, Maurice Fashan was that uh, the third uh, uh, accident that he was involved in was something that... Uh, Definitely was near the end of his career, but it certainly ended his his career if he hadn't had intentions to be done. And that was when uh, he was just out jogging alongside the road. And why don't you give us a little background on what happened to him at that point? Yeah, well, well actually, uh, he, he was already done with his uh, with his career by then. Uh, he was he was becoming a big big star in in the province of Quebec. Uh, based on his on his uh, wrestling uh, reputation and uh, on you know on his on his wrestling background and and everything he did you know from from uh, Grand Prix wrestling uh, and, and then with international wrestling uh, he had retired in 1986 and by then it was really really um, started to do a lot of uh, media appearances but also. Uh, I mean, he, he was he was co-hosting talk shows. It was pretty much the the Ed Sullivan of 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 uh, of, of of a talk show here in Montreal. Did, did I say Ed Sullivan? I mean Ed McMahon. Yeah, I'm sorry, um, Ed McMahon of, of 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 a talk show here. He was also uh, I mean he did a kind of a Saturday night Saturday night um, Saturday night live thing here in Montreal with a very young Celine Dion, so they did a skit together. I mean, he was becoming huge in, in, in uh, he, he was not just Maurice Vachon, the wrestler. He was really Maurice Vachon, just a well-known TV personality. He was becoming that big. And mm -hmm. in 1987, he goes back to, uh, he, he goes with his wife because they wanted to spend some time together. So they go to his wife's family, to, to his wife's sister, actually. And he wasn't jogging by that point. He was kind of walking, but, you know, with a fast pace because his knees were pretty much damaged. Um, and he was, you know, walking on the side of the road, you know, as he was doing a lot of mornings by then. And there's that, you know, truck driver who just, you know, hit him. Maurice didn't really see it coming. And, and because of complications, uh, when he got to, uh, to the hospital, uh, he ended up a few days later being, uh, you know, losing a leg. And, and, and that was, you know, a big, big blow, not only on his, on his uh, second career, but also on his life. Uh, that changed a lot for Maurice because, uh, you know, he was always that independent guy who was doing whatever he wanted. And now, you know, he, 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 he was depending on, on you know, medical, uh, medicals. He was depending on his wife. He was depending. He couldn't do his, his, his you know, he enjoyed, you know, doing, doing his media stuff so much. He was actually um, about to start a kid's show. Can you believe that? Mad Dog Vishan was doing a kid's show here when he was, you know, uh, he, was, uh, he was dressed as a pirate. Uh, and he actually did it, even though he was, you know, uh, amputated, uh, and um, and it didn't last long because Maurice was pretty much, you know, the accident uh, left, you know, some marks, and and Maurice's memory wasn't as good, you know, as it used to from that point on. 
uh, you had trouble, you know, learning the lines and, and, and everything. So it didn't really last long. Maybe he came back too fast from, from that. And uh, he went back to, to Omaha, Nebraska, where he was living with his wife. And, you know, didn't really come back in, in the province of Quebec. Uh, that, you know, he came back, but, you know, he was mostly living in Omaha. When, before the accident, he was, you know mostly living in the province of Quebec. You know, he was here, you know, more often than he was in, in the United States. Uh, and, and you know, but, but yeah, his career was already over by then. Uh, he had retired with a big, uh, big celebration here in Montreal. And he actually, and, and just to, to, to give you an, another example of how big he was in Montreal by that time, he even did a rap song. So not only Maurice did the, the same you know, wild and crazy Maurice Mad Dog Vachon did a kid show and a rap song in French. Uh, and it was, well, it's, it's entertaining, I guess. Uh, it, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't win any Grammys or anything, but you know, it was entertaining. And, and the song was done to promote his retirement tour, actually. So, so that's why, you know, his agent had the idea of, of him doing a song and he did you know it worked because he did the media you know he did a big media tour with the song uh and and you know that's when his his, his uh, active uh, career ended so uh but yeah the accident was a huge huge blow and he would feel repercussions of this throughout his life one of the things that we talked about was the resiliency of mad dog vachon and and as we go back a little bit and look at some of the things that he did during his career, for any fan out there who wants to see Mad Dog Vachon against the Crusher, there is a famous YouTube video. It's from January of 1970 when uh, Mad Dog and his brother Paul the Butcher were the tag team champions in the AWA. And the storyline was that they had put the Crusher out of action in August of 69 when the Vachons had taken the title from the Crusher and his wrestling cousin, the Bruiser, Dick the Bruiser, and they put the Crusher out of action for about five months. Now, that was the storyline, and, and then when the Vachon brothers are wrecking havoc in the TV studio of All-Star Wrestling in Minneapolis, the Crusher came out of the locker room, entered the ring in his street clothes, and he tried to uh, go in and help uh, one of the opponents of uh, the Vachans. And Mad Dog and Crusher got into a melee that saw the Crusher, as the story goes on the show, open a huge gash on the, on the Mad Dog's head. Now, Mad Dog had... Uh, inflicted his own wound as the wrestlers did in those days and if you look at that video you will see mad dog the blood is just pushing pumping out of this forehead and what had happened is he had hit an artery and he was in the hospital that night and him and Crusher then had another go-around for another year and a half in the AWA where they were back at each other in not only singles matches but tag team matches, Crusher using various partners against Mad Dog and Butcher. And that is one of the more famous things. Now, the interesting thing is, is that as his career was unfolding in the 70s, Mad Dog also did what a lot of wrestlers did during that era, is eventually they would somehow morph into becoming a babyface. And they didn't change their style. They wrestled the same way, but they were now against opponents that fans hated a little bit more. And we even saw unique combinations that we never thought we would see. We had Mad Dog Vachon and the Crusher as a tag team. And that was phenomenal because fans always wondered, will they turn on each other? Can Crusher trust the dog? You know, will the dog walk out on him? I mean, that's what intrigued fans to come and see them as a team, but they were very successful. Now, there was another famous tag team that Mad Dog had at the end of the 70s. Vern Gagne had been wrestling against Ray Stevens and Pat Patterson in the AWA. And they had put Billy Robinson out of action. 
And Vern Gagne said he needed to find a partner that could fight dirty like Stevens and Patterson were doing. And he surprised fans when he got Mad Dog Vachon. And he basically told Mad Dog, I don't like you and you don't like me, but we don't like Patterson and Stevens even more. So they were going to be a team. And they ended up taking the tag team championship from uh, Pat and Ray. And again, for another year, uh, the dog and Vern Gagne were together. And it just was box office success because, again, fans were always looking at, will the dog turn on Vern? Can Vern trust him? Can, can Mad Dog trust Vern? And it never happened. They just had that good, uh, good chemistry as a tag team and uh, held the title for over a year. You know, Maurice came to an age where fans were just happy to see him. Were just, you know, he 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 he, he reached the uh, how can I say that? He, he reached uh, a point where you know he was a legend. And and as we right. see now, you know, whenever whenever a legend comes back to Raw to SmackDown, he's gonna get a huge pop, a huge babyface pop because. He's a legend, even though he was a heel when he was actually performing. So Maurice, uh, you know, reached that point as well, both in Montreal and in the AWA. In Montreal, he actually become he actually became a babyface in a weird twist because he was wrestling as a heel with Grand Prix Wrestling, teaming teaming with Paul Vachon, his brother, against the Leduc brothers, Joe and Paul Leduc. And um, they were, because in Montreal, Paul, Paul Vachon was the promoter for Grand Prix Wrestling. So the Athletic Commission didn't allow him to actually wrestle in Montreal. Uh, so he could wrestle elsewhere in the province. So the, the, the rivalry between the two, uh, the two teams were, you know, huge in Quebec City, in Sherbrooke, everywhere else, but not in Montreal because Paul couldn't wrestle. But they were uh, trying to build a single, a big singles match between Maurice and Joe Duke for a big uh, stadium show at the uh, Jarry Park Stadium uh, where the Expos used to play back in, in the 70s. So we are in 1973. All-Star Wrestling, there's that big rivalry between... Uh, Grand Prix Wrestling and All-Star Wrestling, the Rougeau's promotion, uh, pretty much, you know, like, Monday Night Wars, you know, WCW and WWF at the time. So there were, you mm -hmm. know, talent switching promotions and, and the guys getting paid more because they could, they had more leverage, you know, uh, when, when, uh, when they were negotiated, they negotiating their, uh, their payoffs. So, um, All-Star Wrestling ran the, the same stadium in 1972, drew a huge crowd of 26,000 people. So Grand Prix didn't want to be, uh, uh, the, the, you know, wanted to, 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 to do the same thing. So in 1973, they wanted to book Joe and Maurice in the main event of that big uh, stadium show. But maybe a few months before they actually started promoting the whole thing, Joe and Paul went back to the Rougeums. So now, you know, they were left without a main event. And Paul and Maurice were talking, and Paul asked Maurice, who is the biggest eel in the history of the territory? And, you know, Maurice, uh, without hesitation, answered, you know, well, it's Killer Kowalski. He said, okay, so you're going to face Killer Kowalski in Montreal in that stadium show. And Maurice's answer was like, well, we're both eels. And Paul said, it doesn't matter, because even if you're both heels." You know, you're a guy from the province of Quebec. You're a guy from Montreal. Kowalski is that big, ugly, Polish guy who speaks English. The crowd will take for you. They will be on your side because they, you will be their heel. And it's exactly what happened. The crowd, I mean, they, 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 they actually got a, a huge crowd. And, 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 and there's a pretty funny story, uh, a story that couldn't happen today because At first, ticket sales were not, you know, was not going as, as good as they thought it would. So Maurice decided to, uh, to take upon himself to, you know, book himself into a few interviews, both French and English. 
where he had a, a big a big rope, you know, a big uh, hangman rope. And he, he was talking about, you know, his match with Kowalski, and he said, if if I don't beat Kowalski, and then he put the big the big rope, you know, around his neck, I'm gonna come ex- commit suicide. Something that he couldn't even nobody could say today, right? I mean, right. but in the, you know, 40 years ago, that was, you know, it, it, I guess it was okay. And it really worked. I mean, the crowd, uh, the, the day of, they started the show late because the crowd, you know, kept coming and coming to the point where they actually draw 29,000 people. Still to this day, the biggest wrestling crowd in the history of the province of Quebec. And after the match, I mean, the next day, the newspapers, um, <laughs> took the, the headline was like uh, Maurice Vachon beat Mad Dog Vachon. No, Maurice Vachon beat Kowalski and uh, it won't commit suicide. You know, they even take back that 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 suicide line, and that's really when Maurice started to become a babyface here in Montreal. Because after that, Grand Prix, they didn't last long with Grand Prix. Uh, he went back to the United States, and every time he was coming back, people were just rooting and cheering for him. And and although you know, and and even in the '80s, you know, when he came back, he had that that feud with uh, Pierre Mad Dog Lefevre over over the Mad Dog name, and Maurice was the babyface. And you know, that's really when Maurice started to become you know a, a babyface here in, in Quebec. Another one of his great uh, babyface battles that he had was when he wrestled Jerry Blackwell in the AWA. Jerry Fatwell. Yeah, Jerry Fatwell. That's what he called him. Fatwell. And uh, there's also a famous uh, YouTube video out there of uh, Mad Dog building a coffin, which was very, uh, very interesting for the era. I don't think it's something that would go over as well today, but it certainly got, got the heat and, uh, they had quite a few, and the storyline was is that Jerry Blackwell had put Mad Dog out of action for two years, and Mad Dog boasted that he had to go deep into the coal mines and and uh, build himself up and, and work hard to uh, come back and go after Jerry Blackwell. You know, guys, we've been talking about this great book and the highlights of uh, Mad Dog Vashon. I want you to give our listeners... Uh, where they can get the book, what are the details, and if you've got any signings or anything coming up here in the future, uh, give us give us some insight into that. Well, obviously, you can book on Amazon, which is always easiest. And then, of course, it's available in most bookstores. And if you don't have it, you just need to request it. It's from ECW Press Publisher, and it's the Mad Dog and Maurice Vachon, it by name, and they'll, they'll actually order it. If you were a fan of old-school wrestling and you enjoyed Mad Dog Vachon, or even if you weren't a fan and you heard about Mad Dog Vachon, uh, both Patrick and Bertrand, you guys have put together, as far as I'm concerned, the absolute epitome of Mad Dog's life, his story, his You've got so many great details in the book about his personal life uh, outside the ring and, and, the, and all the good things he did as a, as a humanitarian as well. And you get the rough side of Mad Dog. You just really capture it. And this is a book that you want to get and add it to your wrestling collection if you are interested in old school wrestling because you guys really did your homework on this. And I'm really proud to have it on my shelf, I'll tell you that. Thank you very much, George. And if I can just add on on, on, on what Bertrand said, uh, I know it's a long time from now, but we will be back in uh, in Las Vegas uh, next uh, next spring for the Cauliflower Alley Club, where we're gonna have the book with us. Uh, we will also be in Waterloo, Iowa, next year, next July, at the uh, National Wrestling Hall of Fame, the Trez, the the uh, Tragos and Tez. All of fame there, so we're gonna have the book uh, with us there as well. So uh, uh, if if people prefer to wait and then see us in person and and get the book from from uh, from us, uh, you know that's where we're gonna be uh, next year. Uh, but you know Amazon is 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 the right place in 
in the meantime. Glenn, do you have anything you want to interject here? Yeah, I'd like to just ask one more thing that uh, wasn't covered here before we go, guys. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Mad Dog's jump to the World Wrestling Federation around 1984. And it wasn't a very brief period of time, but at that moment, of course, uh, you know, the pro wrestling business was well under the attack of of Vince McMahon picking up key guys for key markets. How did that all come about with, uh, with Mad Dog jumping to the WWF? And what kind of fit was it for him? Because it didn't seem like he was in the company too long. Because from what I can remember, it was by 1985, he was doing uh, some stuff for the AWA up in Winnipeg. Uh, I can remember him being in a cornerman for Rick Martel uh, as he took on Boris Sukov with Chris Markov. He, yeah. he actually got to WWF at, the, at his, you know, he, 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 was, what, what, he was like 50 years old when he got to WWF, so he was he was a shelf of himself. Uh, he, he was signed by Vince for two markets in particular, you know, the AWA market as well as the Montreal market, because he was a big name in both of those markets, and and that's what Vince was looking for at the time. You know, he was looking to get local stars, you know, to be able to uh, uh, to draw bigger crowds and, and draw TV ratings as well, because he was, you know, as we all know now, you now taking over every everywhere. So so that's why Maurice was was signed, but he, he was not portrayed at anyone. You know, he wasn't. He, he was doing, you know, preliminary matches. How um, shows was how shows in the Midwest. He was maybe portrayed a little better, but I mean, on TV, he wasn't really. You know, he was like over fifty by the, by that time. Uh, he was born in 1929, so uh, I mean, he was 54, 55, 55 years old by then. And he was, you know, he wasn't the the, the the wrestler he used to be. So it was a very short-lived uh, thing. And uh, and 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 he, I mean, just to just to just as an example of how you know Vince didn't really mind uh, at the time. He, he let he let Maurice did an AWA gig in Winnipeg. The, the the thing you're talking about with Rick Martel, you know. So I mean, at the time, it was uh, it was. Uh, it was just, you know, to create some interest in local markets. And probably the biggest thing he did was uh, this uh, uh, this uh, wedding skit he did with his brother, uh, the Butcher, uh, that was shown uh, on TV for WWF at the time. Uh, for uh, was it Tuesday night? Tuesday night Titans. Titans. It? Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, exactly. every, all the heels were in that uh, wedding, and uh, of course uh, with the butcher, and you know they had the Samoans. I can remember Doctor D. David Schultz. Yeah, it was just a, a big old schmaz of of a birth or of a wedding ceremony. Oh yeah, it finished with a food fight. The funny story behind it is that the butcher was really getting uh, married, and, and and when Vince uh, heard about that. He wanted Paul to get married, you know, in uh, you know, on his on in the ring, on his show, and everything. And by the time the wedding came, Paul, you know, and and his future wife had split. So they actually hired an actress no. to play the role of the butcher's wife, so they can actually do uh, the, the 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 fake wedding, you know. <laughs> nevertheless, so so it, it's kind of funny story, but. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's probably something that you can look up on YouTube, and that's probably, sadly, maybe one of the highlights of, of Maurice's uh, run in the uh, WWF. Locally, he did interviews. He did interviews for uh, the French uh, broadcast of, of WWF at the time. And as good as a, an interview Maurice was, he was not a good interviewer, uh, and that didn't last long either. And, and you know... Uh, he did maybe four or five, and, and you know that that was probably it. So, so yeah, that that's that's the story behind his his WWF run. Oh, when I watch that, I think of one thing. I think of poor Skylo Low during that whole party. <laughs> Boy, they 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 really took the piss to him, as the old Brits would say. He actually he actually swears in French uh, during that segment, which is always you know make us laugh, you know, here in in, in Montreal. <laughs> I, I love it, but I have to ask one more thing. You know, because he came such a from such a big loving family. You know, you talked about Mad Dog getting his rap on. Did Paul get a little jealous, Butcher? Because I, I've known and I've heard Butcher uh, has had quite a singing uh, uh, bug as well through the years. 
he was a much better singer. And Maurice always asked a fall that he sign, sing the song in, in, in French. It's the Canadian Rant. Wandering uh, Canadian. And that was Maurice's favorite song. And, you know, Paul was his favorite singer to, to interpret it. Paul could sing better. He, they had another brother who could sing better. Yeah. Uh, Vivian was a great singer. So Maurice was probably one of the worst singers in the family. And he's the one who actually got a... a a song recorded so that's 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 funny too that's that's wrestling you know <laughs> absolutely did you think back in the early 70s mid 70s when nick bockwinkle and mad dog were wrestling in the ring that they'd be like a few years down the road like do you think that we'll be uh in a you know beginning into a rap career because you remember nick was one of those guys that did the wrestle rock rumble but could you imagine what they go back in time just a few years to tell those guys you guys are going to get into this new rap thing yeah probably they would have laughed at you and they, they would have probably said What's a rap thing? You know, what's a rap song? You know, so, uh, but yeah, you know, we still, it, it's still, it's funny because he could have done any kind of songs, but in 1986, rap was starting to becoming a thing, uh, and there were not a lot of uh, French uh, rap songs here in Montreal. So maybe that's, you know, that's the idea behind it, you know, so you could actually try to get a younger audience to uh uh to 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 witness you know maurice's last array in 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 the, in the province get him a nice hip-hop outfit put on some vintage jordans there you go he was no jay-z he was no jay-z no so or, nor no drake no nothing let's say like that. that away <laughs> that song is somewhere on youtube so you know you don't understand words mad dog rap and you'll find something after uh-huh. that you're on your own All right, all right. Well, guys, looks like the time has uh, run out on us. I want to thank you, gentlemen, Bertrand Bear and Pat LaProd, co-authors. Uh, they've done it again, man. Mad Dog, the Maurice Vachon story. And if you like uh, some of, uh, more of Bertrand and Pat's work, Bertrand has worked on a, a, another great book along with, uh, it, it, was, uh, it was Mad Dog's Midgets and Screwjobs with, with Pat. And Pat, you did The Sisterhood of the Squared Circle. Uh, just recently yes. as well. I, I talked to Dan Murphy earlier this year, and uh, that book, along with the Mad Dogs, Mitches, and Screwjobs, some of the best some of the best books on pro wrestling, and uh, Bert, I, I love the Pat's uh, autobiography. Your work on Accepted, oh man, these books are like, you sit down, and the next thing you know, the book is like three-quarter done. That's the sign of good storytelling and good writing right there, so I'm going to tip my hat to you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, for George Shire, Bertrand Bear, and Pat LaProd, I'm Glenn Broggett. So long. This has been Rasslin' Memories.